0: This is Nita Erline, and you are listening to the TRC Ministries podcast. The vision of TRC Ministries is to see individuals fulfill their calling under the authority of the Church using the resources of the Kingdom of God. What is faith? As believers, we may easily recite, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Acts 16 31. And that is true. But what do we mean by that? If we think our salvation depends on what we do, then we have veered off into the ditch of performance. Or if we are so confident that our relationship with God has nothing to do with us, and we don't really pay attention to how we are living in light of who God is and what he values, then we have veered off into the other ditch of apathy. Here is Tori B. Orkland, president of TRC Ministries, teaching on what faith is and how we can avoid the pitfalls of both performance and apathy.
1: Well, today I want to <clears throat> talk about faith, and really what I want to talk about is a little bit larger concept than just faith. I don't know if you've ever wondered, probably do wonder, where does Tori come up with this stuff? Uh, how I come up with the, what I want to talk about. I like to think that it's somewhat God directed, but I see things around me sometimes in our church, but oftentimes in just the Christian world at large that concern me. I see things that concern me and I think, oh, I want to talk to our folks about this and avoid this. Or, But anyway, this uh, topic, there's a larger topic that I want to cover um, over a little period of time here. And And basically, I want to talk about, I want you to imagine a road. There's a road, a Christian road of action. And on either side of this road, there are ditches, on one side is the ditch of performance. It's a big, wide ditch. It's easy to get into. Matter of fact, if you've ever driven in the desert, these are the ditches I want you to think about. I was with a friend of mine. We were driving across the desert, just north of uh, north and west of Winslow, Arizona, and um, hit something in the road. He was, you know, of course, driving cool with this you know, not hanging on to the steering wheel. We went off into the ditch. We were doing about, I don't know, 80 or something on a dirt road. Off into the desert, into the sand, sand all over, came back. Anyway, that's the kind of ditch I want you to imagine. You, You can drive in it for a long way. But it's not the same as driving on the road. So on one side, you have the ditch of performance. On the other side... You have the ditch of apathy. Performance and apathy. These are opposite sides of the road of Christian action. And sometimes you start out on the side of performance and you get burned out and you you end up facing either apostasy or apathy and you choose for apathy, you know, because you can't do the performance any longer. And rather than throw away your faith, you drive in the other ditch for a while. But I'm concerned about the ditches. And they, like I say in this picture here, they're really large. And they're really easy to get into. And our Christian culture, unfortunately, I believe in this country, there's various Christian cultures, of course. But much of that, those Christian cultures have been formed in the ditches. And so it's really easy to travel in the ditch. So the road between the ditches is the road of faith. And so today I want to start by talking about faith and understanding faith as the beginning of maintaining a life on the road and out of the ditches. So when I ask, what is faith? It comes to your mind. Well, commonly in Christian circles... Hebrews 11.1. 1. People say, oh, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Something like that. And I would offer to you that this is not a definition of faith. This is a truth claim about faith. Similar to something, saying something like, a banana is yellow. That's a truth claim about a banana, but it doesn't really tell you much about a banana because there are a lot of things that are yellow that are not bananas. It's a truth claim about a banana. And I believe these statements are truth claims. They're true about faith, but that's not a a, a good definition. I believe the writer is claiming that faith is a substantial reality relating to the real of the non-physical and to the unseen. But it's not defining for us what faith really is. So I, of course, I go to the dictionary often, look for a good definition. And we see two definitions. I, I, I have two definitions there in the dictionary I went to. One of them I like, complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. I, I like that definition. I think that works fairly well. We're going to smoke that out a little bit. But unfortunately, I think much in our, much of the people in our culture, in the American culture, have chosen the second definition, which is a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual understanding rather than proof. Now, do you see how that flies in the face of the truth claim that was made by the writer of Hebrews? The writer of Hebrews Chapter 11, verse 1, says that faith is proof. It is evidence. It is substantial. It is reality. And this definition, unfortunately, this believing in something without any proof is what our culture has determined what faith is. It's, It's something that is unreasonable. It's something that you believe in For no reason at all. So, what is faith? Well, complete trust and confidence in someone or something. You, Hopefully you all have heard my little example of the pendulum. The idea here is uh, a sixth grade science teacher tells his students that the law of the pendulum is that the pendulum starts at point A, It will go to point B, but it will not return to point A without any additional force applied to it. And he asks his students, how many of you believe this? And they all raise their hand. And so he points at one and says, okay, I need you to help me. And he sets him in a chair and he gets up into the ceiling and he pulls down a a rope with a big kettlebell ball chunk of lead on it. And he pulls it up to the kid's nose, gets it tight, and he lets the thing go goes across the room, and of course, it doesn't get halfway back, and the kid's bailed out of the chair. And the point of of the illustration is that the kid really did not believe. He did not have a complete trust or confidence in the law of the pendulum. He said he believed in the law of the pendulum, but his actions betrayed his belief, right? And so... We can say complete trust, we can say complete confidence in someone or something, but I want to submit to you that faith, always in the Bible, is represented as an action form, and we'll see that. If you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to be looking at a few verses there. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, my version says. Some versions say substance of things hoped for, and the conviction, or some versions say evidence of things unseen or not seen. You can just keep your finger there or keep it open there because we're going to hit several of those verses. Um, Faith is an action. I want to submit to you that faith is an action. Faith is acting in a way that is appropriate given the truthfulness of something. Okay? Acting in a way that is appropriate given the truthfulness of something. So it's not only believing something. I mean, the kid... He said, "I did. I believe there is a mental affirmation in his mind. Yep, seems reasonable to me. We'll come back to that kid in a little bit too. Um, it's not being convinced that something is true in a way that allows you to affirm it, but it's actually aligning your will to act appropriately based on the truthfulness of, of whatever is in front of you that you want to have faith in. Now." What do I mean by appropriate? Acting in a way that is appropriate. There are two aspects to appropriateness uh, that I have in mind here. One aspect has to do with timing. Not everything requires immediate action or continuous action. So you can't always be acting on faith in regards to some things. Okay? Not all truth requires action all the time. But when no action is required then the action of faith is preparing to act should it become necessary. So you say, for example, you read something in Proverbs, the wise see trouble coming and goes the other way. Well, you might not see trouble coming right now, but if you have faith that that's a good thing to do is to just go the other way when you see trouble, you prepare yourself to go the other way when you see trouble. That's the action of faith, because I don't see trouble right now, so I'm not running the other way. But you can be prepared to act should the need arise. The second aspect of appropriateness is acting in harmony with the truth. Let's just talk about what James pointed out. So-called faith that does not result in corresponding action is not the kind of faith that saves us. And he points out, you know, remember James said that the demons believe, and they tremble. That's an action, but that's not an appropriate action. Why is that? Why do they tremble? They believe in God and they tremble. They're acting as if something is true. But I add the word appropriate because the way to appropriately act about the reality of God is to submit to Him. And you could even say that the demons fear God. That's why they tremble. But the reason they fear God is because they have put themselves in a position of opposition to God. And that's an inappropriate action given the truth of God's right to rule and reign. So that's what I mean by appropriate. One is we're, we're prepared to act or we act when it's necessary, and number two, our actions are in concert, in harmony with the reality of the truth, not against it. I want to point out that appropriate action of faith leads to peace. Appropriate action of faith leads to peace. Being in harmony with the truth is peacefulness. If we act or we are prepared to act in a way that is in harmony with truth, our life will be much better. When you are on the wrong side of reality, it leads to strife, leads to problems, leads to difficulties. The majority of our difficulties that we experience are because we're on the wrong side of reality. In other words, we are acting in a way that is not in harmony with reality. If you don't brush your teeth, you get cavities. It's a trouble. It's a problem. You lose your teeth. I I heard an interview with a man in his 90s, and they asked him what wisdom did he have to share with people. He said, well, if I'd known I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of my teeth. I've flossed almost every day since I heard that interview. (laughs) I'd hardly flossed before that because I got to thinking, most of the men in my life have lived into their 90s. And all of them have had, that have lived that long have had to do it with dentures. I hope to keep my teeth. Okay, well, acting in harmony with the reality that good care of your teeth is the only way to keep them, I have less trouble with my teeth. Your life is characterized by strife when you stand against the reality of God and his kingdom. Your life will be characterized by strife when you stand against the reality of God and his kingdom. The corollary to that is when you are not at peace, it's because you're acting or believing something that is in opposition to the truth. Just think about that for a minute. When you're not at peace you could probably, if you just spent a little time thinking about it, bring it back to something that you say you believe, but it applies in this situation in a way that you're not taking into the situation with you. So, God is my protector. If I believe that... What does Psalm 23 say? I shall walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil, for thou art with me. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death with your back against the wall, looking both ways, you're not at peace because you don't really believe that God is your protector and he's there with you. And this isn't a shame thing. Um, We'll talk more about this, especially when We start talking about how to walk on that road of faith. But the first part of it is realizing when your actions are corresponding with faith or or faith-based actions or when they're not. So I want to talk about what is saving faith. What is saving faith? The Bible tells us we are justified by faith, right? We don't need to read a lot of verses on that think we believe that Romans 328 is one of them for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law but i want to i want to also point out something which comes from the very the verse previous to that Romans 328 is what i just read 327 tells us that faith does not exclude works faith does not exclude works it excludes boasting Let's see what Romans 3.27 says. It says, where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Now, Luther really was tempted to tear out James from the Bible. Or so the story goes. A lot of people struggle with James. James. Because James says faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. What about faith alone? That was a statement of Luther's, faith alone. There is a mentality that is in the ditch when you can't align your view of faith with the entire scriptures. You're in the ditch. If you can't align your idea of faith, with the entire scriptures. And it was a mentality that leads to apathy, and you can see that. You can see that today. There's people that I think unfairly refer to this as cheap grace, this idea of apathy. I've run into it. When I was an early Christian, a brand-new Christian, hooked up with a group, and we would go witness, preach the gospel in in, uh, Liberty Park in Phoenix, Arizona. That's the, you know, where the drunks hang out. And I I remember sharing the gospel with this man who was extremely drunk and had a woman of the night on one arm with him. And he's like, you know, know, I understand. I know all, I'm a Christian. I I accepted Jesus, you know. And and he had no time to hear the gospel because he was busy doing his thing. But he had already accepted Jesus and he was going to heaven, according to him. And that's an extreme view of it, but this is the point that, that James was getting at. There is an appropriate set of works that goes along with faith that is not about performance, though. That's the other ditch. Now, I grew up in one of those bipolar churches that did both, you know? It was faith of, faith alone. The doctrine was faith alone, but They spent most of their time trying to get you to do what you should be doing, but out of guilt. After all that God has done for you, shouldn't you at least quit going to dances, quit chewing tobacco and pulling with girls that do? I don't know. They had one of those those big tractor things that they run through the cornfields. The tires are real far apart, and they're real tall, and they just drive right in both ditches at the same time, and they don't even drive on the road. That's what I was raised with. Faith does not exclude works. It excludes boasting. So what is saving faith? First of all, you know, I don't want to get into what is saved, salvation. So let's just, for the sake of this discussion, say salvation and justification in the Bible are synonymous, okay? And so if we see a verse that says we've justified, that's talking about saving faith or being acceptable to God. We're talking about saving faith. Okay, can we agree on that for the sake of this discussion so we don't get too far into another tangent? All right, so what is saving faith? Salvation is being accepted by God into his family and his kingdom. Then what is the kind of faith that brings God's acceptance? Now, I've often heard that the only faith that saves is a belief in the doctrine of the atonement. It's it's very clear in the groups that I grew up in. They often talked about believing in what Jesus did. Believing in what Jesus did on the cross for you. Believing that Jesus' death paid for your sin, or any number of other ways of saying that. Okay? Does the Bible actually say that? That the only faith that saves is a belief in the doctrine of the atonement? And it seems biblical, right? I mean, Paul said this here. He said, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right? Romans 10. Okay. That's saving faith. And surely this is true. If you truly believe in the resurrection of Jesus and act appropriately, you will be saved. But where we go wrong is making the assertion that it is the only belief that triggers the approval of God. Faith in the atonement is the only belief that triggers the approval of God. I think that's not something that the Bible will back up. In fact, the writer of Hebrews makes it clear that the faith of which he speaks is saving faith. So back in Hebrews 11, 1, uh, for by it, by faith, the men of old gained approval. That's saving faith he's talking about, the approval of God. So what is the faith in which he speaks? of which he speaks. So verse 2, Hebrews 11, 2. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. That's a good place to start. So believing in creation, can that be saving faith? We'll look back at Romans chapter, what is it, 1, verse 19. The wrath of God is displayed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. For that which is known about God is clear to them, because he's made it clear within them. But they've suppressed that truth. The whole That whole passage is about people having rejected the reality of God having created the world. And that's why God's wrath. The corollary to that would be what? Well, if you accept the creation of God, that's a good place to start. Okay? But I want you to notice something here. First, there's a reference to being convinced that God, let's see, we we understand that the worlds were prepared. How do we understand that? Also, by the word of God. This is, you notice that this is, is a reference in two ways. The worlds were prepared by the word of God, but we also understand that to be true by the word of God. And this goes back to that definition that the dictionary gave. Trusting or having confidence in someone or something. Biblical faith almost always trusts or has confidence in both someone and something. Not just or one or the other, but both. First, we trust the source. How do we know that the world was created by God? We have to believe Moses, don't we? That's the only way we know about it. We have to come to believe the source of the information. But now, if we have confidence in the account given in Genesis, now we're faced with a question of faith as well. By the way, have you known people that believe the account in Genesis but decide not to act according to it? That's what Romans chapter 1 is about. It's about people that know that God is the creator of the world, but refuse to act accordingly and try to push that out of their knowledge. So we have to not only believe the Bible, but we have to take that, the the appropriate action based on the truth that it claims. So what would be an appropriate action for God being the creator? What's the appropriate response? to the fact that God created, the truth of creation. How about you say, well, God owns it all, and we're just a steward here. It, I mean, it, it, it transfers ownership, doesn't it? We're living on God's world. There's a lot of ways that we could think about the appropriate action based on the reality of God having created this world. God, how about God has the right to rule? That's the thing that struck me. God created me. The thing that, the the truth that converted my soul was the truth that God had created me and I had no right to destroy me because I could not create me. If you build something, you got the right to tear it down. If your neighbor builds something, you don't have the right to tear it down. It's his. He built it. If God built this world, We have no right to tear it down. If God built this body, I have no right to tear it down. You see? That's an appropriate response. Here are some of the acts of faith. The Bible says were acts of saving faith. So I want to point out, this is the thing I want you to see. It's not just a belief in the atonement that is saving faith. Okay? Saving faith is believing God and setting your will to act appropriately. And here's here's some examples of that. James 2.21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? Wait a minute. Isn't it apart from works? Isn't that what we read in Romans? No. Yes, it said apart from works, but he's not talking about exclusive of works. It doesn't exclude works. It excludes boasting. How about this? Verse 25 in James 2, In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? Going back to Hebrews 11.4, By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. That's an interesting passage. Is that not the definition of justification being declared righteous by God. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death for he obtained the witness that before his being up, taken up, he was pleasing to God. By faith, Noah being warned by God, verse seven and 11 about things not yet seen in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. You see, none of these people heard of the atonement. None of these people heard the name of Jesus. None of these people had an opportunity to have faith in Jesus. The Bible insists that their rightness before God is the same justification that comes by faith that we have in Christ Jesus. And that their faith, their justification, I mean, by faith, came in Jesus Christ. Saving faith is taking at face value what God is saying, whether through a messenger or directly, and choosing to act, to set your will to act accordingly. That's what saving faith is. But notice here the action. There is no concept of passivity, no concept of mental affirmation, but wholehearted, full-body conformity to a truth has been accepted as reality. If you look down at your gas gauge, and you're going to head to Fergus Falls, and your gas gauge says you're on empty, and you drive something other than a Geo Metro, what's the appropriate action based on that reality? if you believe your gas gauge you better go get some fuel, right? Is that an act of legalism? It's just a natural response to the fact that I want to get to Fergus Falls, it's going to take more gas than I got. If I'm going to get to Fergus Falls and I don't and I want to be there peacefully, I better react appropriately to the reality that I don't have enough fuel in my tank to get me there. I mean, you know, some of us like trouble. (laughs) You'll encounter trouble on the freeway to to Fergus if you don't get fuel. It's just a natural response to actually believing the truth, the source, which is your gauge, and the truth that there isn't enough fuel to get you to Fergus Falls. That's how you stay out of the ditch of performance is you come to the conclusion that this reality is reality. <laughs> this truth is reality. And if I get crossways of it, it's going to create problems in my life. And therefore, why don't I just align my life with it? I think I'll pull over in the pilot station and get a little fuel before I get on the freeway. You see, but what we do is we read these statements in the Bible and we say, this is, it's, they, we don't think of it as this is a truth claim. We think of it as this is God telling me the way I have to behave if I want to be pleasing to him. What is that? That's performance. No, what God is saying is, if you actually believe this, reality, this truth claim, it would result in behavior like pulling over to get enough fuel so you can make it the rest of the way. That It's the result. The action is the result of the faith and without that you're in the ditch. You're into performance. Next week on the same channel, same time, you will hear Tori tell you that Jesus knew what he was talking about that when Jesus gave commands, the intention was to actually tell people what makes for a peaceful life in the kingdom of God. This is why John says, by the way, that if we love him, we know we love him when what happens? We do what he says and it's not burdensome. How could that possibly be? How is it not burdensome to turn the other cheek? How is it not burdensome to go the extra mile? How is it not burdensome to do these things? You see, Jesus was making a truth claim about how life works. What happens when you don't turn the other cheek? War. Jesus was making truth claims about reality and saying, you know what? This is what it looks like for somebody to live in the kingdom of God. And if you believe that Jesus actually knew what he was talking about, you would say to yourself, oh, I better pull over at the pilot station and put some fuel in my tank. And there will be no, oh, well, sometimes I do that. Man, am I in a hurry. I hate trying to get gas. You know, I mean, there's a few things in life that are just a waste of time. Eating, using the bathroom, and getting fuel. Don't forget sleeping. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, sleeping. No. You see, if you get crosswise of any of those realities, you are not at peace. Okay? Let me pray. Lord, I want to make sure that the claims of truth that you have made impact our heart in a way that bring faith that is pleasing to you and that we as a people, as a as a church and as a community work together to encourage one another in faith and good works that we see the road that you have laid out and we avoid the ditches. Help us, dear God, to Be at the ready to do your will because it's the only reasonable response to the truth that you have revealed to us. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And for more information on TRC Ministries or to contact us, go to www.regenerationcenter.org.